What's up, homies? It's Mr. Adam X, and you're listening to the... My guest this week is Adam Kingman. He's a designer, maker, photographer, writer. His dad played for the Chicago Cubs. Some of you might have heard of him, Dave Kingman. Uh, This guy's just a super outdoorsman adventurer. I actually found him on Instagram and saw some of his work. And then I saw that he was he's actually a contestant on episode or on season three of NBC's Making It. So we talk about that a little bit as much as we can talk about because the episodes are still coming out. You know, it's the same. It's the same old, same old for me. I pick these guests because I love these guests and I love listening to their stories and finding that people are doing their things their own way. And Adam is an extremely rad creative Uh, He loves upcycling things and just trying to repurpose things and create more and just use our minds. So, Adam, thank you again for being on the show. Everyone listening, thank you for listening. If you're on iTunes, scroll down to the reviews. You'll see other reviews. Click the button. Write a review. Leave a review. Five stars, one star. I mean, five stars are preferred, but if you think it deserves one star... Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Mr. Adam X. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Adam X. Follow at Out of Podcast. That's where we're pushing most of these things. If there's someone you want me to interview, if there's someone that you want Jabber to interview, slide into our DMs. Let us know. Tell us how we can make this better. Tell us if it's absolute garbage. We're having a blast. We really enjoy doing it. Uh, I can't thank Adam Jabber enough for giving me the opportunity to host my own show. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, this show is called The Pursuit. Uh, It's pro talk, but my goal is to get people to tell their story and how they got there and what they do. What is their pursuit? What do they enjoy and why do they enjoy it? Uh, That seems so simple because life is all about the pursuit. What are we doing? You're pursuing something. You're doing something. It's a job. It's a career. It's a trick. Uh, And this is just my opportunity to showcase that. So thank you for every guest that has been on so far. I'm fortunate. This platform is amazing. It's only getting better. We have some amazing guests lined up, including the ones we've all had. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And here it is, Adam Kingman on The Pursuit. Oh, Okay. Send it. I'm ready. Go, go for it. Adam, thanks for being on the show. Tell everyone who you are, what you do. Awesome. Adam, thank you. Hello, show and future friends. My name is Adam Kingman. I grew up in Lake Tahoe in the mountains, skiing, biking by the lake, um, and just always being fascinated by the things strapped to my feet and the trees growing around me. It fostered this curiosity for tinkering and creating, um, but also with this responsibility for a good stewardship of the planet, which led to industrial design. Um, and I'm kind of figuring it out as I go. <laughs> what is industrial design? Because I see you mention it often. So like you're like, that's what you consider yourself. But I don't know what that means. Yeah, good question. Industrial design. It's somewhere between art and engineering. So industrial design takes into consideration 
the form and function of an object. So if we're talking outdoor industry, like I geek out over Black Diamond's industrial designers because everything they make is beautiful and sexy and you want to touch it and you want to use it, but it's more than just looks. It's highly functional. Um, and in a broader sense, the industrial designers at Apple, like Johnny Ives, you know, they're the ones that make Apple so beautiful and give it the look. So the industrial designers are kind of, you know, understanding what people want or might want, um, and delivering it in a useful, beautiful, functional package, I suppose. So it's basically the function and fashion side of things. Like, how do we make something extremely functional all while when it's sitting on a shelf, you want it? Exactly. Right? I mean, that's the, do you design for, what's your day job? Is this what you do? Like, this is what you do for a living, right? Yeah. Are you freelance? I do. I love the side hustle. I do a little bit of freelance, um, but I'm full-time with a design consultancy agency in San Francisco. Okay. Do they work? Is it all outdoor brand based or is it all over the map? Or can you not even say a word about it? It's top secret shit. Uh, I mean, some of the projects are top secret, but the agency itself is grounded in tech. It was one of the first consultancies that Steve Hop, uh, that Steve Jobs hired back in the day when he was trying to figure out what his Macintosh computers would look like. So the company's called Frog and it has this um, legacy in tech. And now it's a whole lot more than tech. It's, you know, consumer products, it's experiential design, it's installations, apps, everything. It's pretty broad. Everything now. Yeah. Are you are you still in Tahoe? I I'm I am currently in Seattle, but I've been living in Tahoe um, during the pandemic. Is Tahoe normally home, non-pandemic? Tahoe's where I grew up. <laughs> Where's home? Are you, do you live in San Francisco full time then? Like when it's not? I don't know where I live. I I'm love kind of a that. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. This is an live. odd question, but do you have a family? Like, do you have a wife and kids? No, I I'm solo. Okay, so you can roam. Adam. You can cruise. I can roam. Okay, that I hate asking. Do you have a family? Because clearly everyone has some type of family. But so you're you can float. I can float. Oh, and that's I, I kind of love to float. Yeah, it's a, it's it's the best. I am a floater myself. Uh, Buffalo is like home, Buffalo, New York. Yeah. But I am getting on a plane as soon as I leave this to go to Portland, actually. So <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, it never ends. What's in Portland? Uh I'm actually working an Iron Man in Salem, Oregon. Not very excited about it, but that sounds great. Good luck. It's not. It's not great. But it's fine. It pays the bills and it's one of those things that like you gotta do it sometimes and the world's a little weird right now. So I'm okay with that. Uh but then I'm actually flying back home to Buffalo and then back out to Portland just to have fun and ride mountain bikes and surf. So the next two weeks I will be in Portland, but I have a a break in between for no apparent reason other than I just like to sit on planes for some purpose. But I have to ask, go ahead. I was going to say good ideas always find you on a plane. 
I don't know. I just pass out. I'm like fortunate that I can sleep. Like <laughs> or I, a nap. I just like I'm I don't care what time it is, I like contort my body and I go to sleep on planes. That's that's a gift. I always bring like my laptop and a book and I'm like, I'm gonna do all these things and then I just fall asleep, which is good because flying is something, but it's I don't know. Back to family. We have to talk about your dad. And I'm sure you don't want to talk like I'm sure everyone's like I asked you about your dad. But your dad played for the Yankees, the Cubs, Mets. I mean, what was growing up? Dave Kingman, for anyone, for I didn't reveal, but Dave Kingman is your father, who, from what I gather, was like all or nothing. Like he was like the strikeout king, but he was also the home run king. Like he averaged a home run every 15 at bats. See, I did my research, like how prepped I am for this. Take a job. But. Do you carry that mentality? And you being, I imagine you growing up with a professional baseball player dad, he wanted you to play these sports. And it sounds like you shifted gears to Tahoe life, which is skiing and surfing and having like still professional sports. But what was that like? And was it, did he force that on you? Was it all or nothing mentality when you played sports? Did he care if you played sports or? Do you not even want to talk? I just picture like my dad being a professional athlete and me being like, I'm going skiing. Sorry. This is way more fun. I mean, you're spot on. I'm, I'm cracking up because nobody's ever worded it quite as precisely as you have. Like if you want your kids to be, you know, baseball players and footballers, don't raise them in Tahoe. Like, (laughs) Yeah, and I, how he ended up in Tahoe is like amazing to me in general, because like that's so not a, I don't know, a baseball I town. I mean, I guess you have the Giants, but I don't, I don't. I mean, the story I've heard, he played college ball at USC, and his buddy named Jack, um, you know, became a dentist and moved to Tahoe. And my dad bought the property next door to him and they've been neighbors my entire life. And what's also funny is Jack's daughter, who is one month older than me. So she's the girl next door. Um, If you know rock climbing, she's Brett Harrington. Okay. Incredible climber. Um, And so there's this like, it's just, it's interesting having someone next door so different and so driven, but our dads have this history way back in baseball and that's a whole nother story. Anyways, um, what do you want to know? What's, what's the question? I guess the question was, did he instill that all or nothing attitude in you or... Cause that's how I, and again, if I'm wrong, correct me, but like, that's what, that's the type of baseball player he was. And the game was different 30 years ago, 40, almost 40 years ago, probably now 30 years ago. But like, I don't know. I just, what is that like growing up? And was there like, for lack of a better term, disappointment, like, Hey, you have baseball, you have a baseball game and you're like, no, I'm going skiing. Or was it just like totally cool and chill and like, 
I don't know. I just, you know, my everyone's father is their role model. And then you have this professional athlete father. Like, how does that work? And now you don't have to go super deep. But was there like a point where you're like 15 and you're like, Dad, I don't I don't care about baseball. I suck at it. And I want to be a skier and I want to have fun (laughs) and I'm a really good artist and I want to do that. Or did it just happen naturally? And he was just like, you got this. Well, I all of that was spot on, except I was really good at baseball. So, oh, twit plot twist. Yeah, uh, I I have two older sisters, and I think we just inherited baseball genes. Um, but we all played baseball growing up, and I I I, I love the like flow state when you're skiing when you're you know and the terrain park and you hit a line of rails and it's like that aesthetic, the sound, it's like ASMR. Like it's just so therapeutic and exhilarating and adrenaline. It just feels good. Or, you know, a pillow line or mountain biking on like a pump track or you're just ripping through baseball never feels like that. And there was nothing satisfying about it for me. It was just a lot of, I mean, it was fun to hit, you know, it was fun to get a double play, but it didn't quite have that draw that, you know, skiing or biking or anything just outside, you know, nature's playground. Um, but in a uh, high school, um, decided to just stop playing baseball and it definitely, uh, created commotion <laughs> this is stress i'm stressed about it right now. <laughs> on the home front um and that all or nothing mentality you brought up i don't think it was ever communicated to me my dad's a very quiet um guy and 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 like there were never morals or like hey here's how to approach or here's let me let me you know give you my two cents on tackling problems or achieving what you're after. Um, he was a pretty quiet guy. And I think I'm still thinking about it all or nothing. I think for me, maybe it's innate. I think I have this, um, trait in me where like I, I do not like to paint. I mean, I like to paint, but like if it's too organic painting, sculpting, kind of those mushy materials, there's nothing satisfying about it for me. And I've never been drawn to it. Um, things have to snap together, click together. They have to be precision. You have to turn, you know, something into you're more of a connects legos guy exactly than a watercolor guy exactly and i one of my um old mentors um was commenting on my work and he's and he goes he goes your 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 approach he's like you don't half-ass anything and if and if it 
if you know it's not going to turn out aesthetic or nice, you don't try because you already know that the end result's not going to be satisfying. It's going to be mush. Like if somebody's sculpting with clay, you know, you can't be precise. I mean, you sure you could be really, you know, right. throwing pots, you can be precise, but like sculpting clay. It's an art. It's a, it's a loose art. It's not a, this is this or. Yeah, um, I get that. So it's in there. You just don't like necessarily maybe view it as an all or nothing. Um, I can't, I can't, that's a, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking about that. That's a good question. See, why, even go also, to, why do we even go to therapy where we could just podcast and just think about this? Like, maybe this is my whole life. I've just been living in this all or nothing shadow and now I'm really going deep about it. But I, I've never broken a bone. I've never gotten stitches. Oh, don't say that out loud. And so there's, but I'm also not timid. Like I don't, you know, sit inside all day. And I try to progress wherever I am. But so I think that there's maybe it's like, I don't know, active outside the all or nothing. You see, I guess very, my answer is no. I think see, I'm going to say no. I, I'm not an all or nothing kind of guy. <laughs> for the little bit I've known you and talked to you, you just seem very calculated. Like your, your approach to things, even just the way you speak, like, you don't ramble. You you have a moment of silence. You think about it, and then you respond. So I think it's there, but I just don't think it like all or nothing. Sometimes assume like risk, and like yeah, it's you're very calculated. You're very you know you're an outdoorsman. You're a skier, but like you understand your skill set and what you're getting into. Probably even when you're like creating things of like, I know what I have. I'm gonna figure this out, and then I'm gonna jump into it but i'm not just going to be like oh i can there's this i'm going to dive in head first like i don't spot know spot on spot on <laughs> i don't know no, I think... it's i don't know i can't define you i have no idea i just i just feel like it had to be asked because it's such like a because again and this is the last time we'll touch on it but like for anyone who doesn't know dave kingman look him up he made a career out of basically hitting home runs or striking out. And he it was much more talented than that. But like it was and it and the league was different yeah. then. But like I think he, his batting average finish was like two two hundreds. Like he wasn't you know, but he it was it was gonna be a home run or it was gonna be he was gonna strike out. So that's why we talked about this. That's why we got there. We'll shift gears, we'll talk about design and go back to that a little bit. Did you go to school for that? Did you study that? Is it always a passion? Did you know you were going to have a career in this? And at what point did you start physically? Because you're a graphic designer as well, right? Like you're, that's, I looked at, I creep some of your work. Like you, you design things, you sketch things. The way you lay things out is, and obviously it's your website, so it's very curated, but (laughs) some of the work you did for like Yeti and Kamek and like, the design is there and it's your, do you sketch it and then take pictures of it? Do you do it all in illustrator? And at what point did you realize like you could physically make some of these things? Rad. Cool. So where did I go to school or what was it? Um, origin story. I always loved, making things 
working with my hands, taking things apart. Like I was that kid always just tinkering, folding paper, doodling. Um, I was pretty quiet. I wasn't very social. I don't have much confidence. And so I kind of just enjoyed the company of my mind and objects. Um, but it wasn't until I got older that I started realizing my attention to detail was so obsessive and specific to where like I'd have a conversation with somebody. I'd be like, what do you mean? You don't know, you know, the size of the zipper on your shell. Like it's clearly (laughs) this, or it's like, Oh no, I saw you. I saw you like a week, a week after skiing, there's, there'd be like, Oh, I can't find my pass. I'm like, oh, you put it on your left deltoid pocket with the green zipper. I saw you put it in there at the bar last week. And they're like, what? (laughs) Why do you know this? You're a creep. And I'm like, I'm not a creep. You did it in front of me. And they're like, yeah, but how do you remember that? I go, why would you not remember that? And they're like, people don't remember stuff like that. Or uh, there's this one girl, um, awesome snowboarder. She moved to Austin. Her name is Ellery. Um, and I remember, uh, where were we? We were at a party and, um, she has this really cool kind of lofted apartment and Ellery's like, yeah, it's a cool place. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like you walk in and I described the whole thing in detail and Ellery's jaw drops and it's like, what is wrong with you? Like, how long were you in my house? I was like, I don't know. You like, we walked in, you put your coat on and we left. She's like, you're insane. And then we go to, anytime we'd go out to a party, uh, she, she'd say, Hey, this is, Hey, this is my friend, Adam. He's going to not make eye contact until he touches everything in your house. And then he'll come <laughs> and talk to you. <laughs> Do you have a photo? Which is pretty, go ahead. Which is, a, which is very accurate, especially if I, you know, if I'm in a new surrounding, I just study the space, everything, like the lights, the touch points, the, you know, the height of the tables, the, the flow of people. Like, it's always just been so interesting to me. So I thought, like, it wasn't, I thought that was normal for people. Maybe it's not. <laughs> right. I, sometimes I'm very observant, but I have to try. Like, if I, like, try to remember something, I can. But if I just walk in, I'm like, I don't know. I have no it's there. I have the ability, but it's not constant. It. That's yeah. I mean, we yeah. all have our tricks, you know. Would you say you have a photographic memory? I, th- I think, if something interests me, okay, I will. Hold on, it'll live in my brain for a long time, <laughs> forever. So maybe it's selective photographic memory. I think um, that counts. I think that's a thing. But uh, yeah, anywho, just had this mind, especially even with film and movies or quotes, like I could just break down a scene years later and go, oh, it's just like that film scene when this happens. And they're like, whoa, that was accurate. And I go, yeah, I want to I want to be a, I always wanted to be either an architect or a director. Like I was always carrying a camera with me throughout high school, whether it was a film camera or video camera, 
I just loved capturing and editing and, you know, conveying a point of view. So I wanted to go to film school, uh, but I didn't get in. <laughs> I wanted to go to USC because um, I love like old sci-fi, you know, Spielberg and Zemeckis and JJ Abrams, like just how they, how they capture with suspense. It's so good. Yeah. But storytelling. Didn't get, yeah. I didn't get into film school. Um, and I also didn't fight it. I think it wasn't until I got older that I realized you could make things happen, even if there was not an opportunity, kind of create your own opportunity. And so I ended up going to University of Washington, which was a wonderful school. I loved it um, and was going to be an architect because that's that's what I loved, spaces. And that's all I, I mean, it's it's hard when you're younger to look at the world and know what you can contribute to it career-wise. And architecture seemed like the solid answer. Yeah, um, I think it's harder even when you're older. Like I'm, I mean, I'm 35 and I'm like still, I mean, I have a good job and I make decent money and like, but I'm always like, I think I can do this and that'll be more helpful for one, me and two, like my community and like area that I, and like friends and fa- like, you know, like there's, I think that's part, I think that's what's changing not to cut you off. But like we are learning that like it used to be you do this, you're an architect, you die an architect. Now it's like, oh, I was this for five years and and I was this for seven years. And then that evolved into X for 10. You know, I think it's just changing as our world changes. Maybe if that's good or bad, I'm not sure. But it's just different. It's just like it's totally it's. But anyway, sorry, cut you off. You went to school, you were going to school to be an architect because that's what you thought you were supposed to do and were, and then right. what? And some of my classmates, again, I'm a freshman. Um, a handful of them want to take this like infamous design 166 class. And I go, I don't, what is that? That sounds like fun. How? I want to try. Let's go. So I enter this class with all my other freshman artsy kids. And this professor walks in, in this like, like she kind of looked like Edna Mode from The Incredibles. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, who's that? What does she know? She knows something we don't. She knows everything. She knows everything. And then she, you know, the presenter shows the syllabus. And I was like, oh my gosh, that syllabus is beautiful. Look at all that negative space. What typeface? Like, what is she? The kerning, the tracking, like, oh, <laughs> everything in this room is attractive and comfortable. Um, and, you know, says, hey, in this class, uh, we'll, like, this is the predecessor to the design major. If you, um, do well enough in this class, you'll be admitted to the school of design. Uh, there's only spots for 60. And there were, I don't remember how many, there were hundreds of kids. Um, and we had three assignments the whole semester. One was design a book cover. One was a photography project. And one was, um, 
make a cardboard stool out of one piece of cardboard without any adhesives or fasteners or tape. And I was like, what? (laughs) This sounds amazing. This is like what I do for fun. And anywho, like immediately fell into that class and loved every bit of it. And it was, it was sitting in these lectures and the questions that I always wondered, but didn't think there was an answer or things I thought were intangible were being presented to me. Like, you know, the history of letters and typefaces or um, like how to lay out something spatially for the most intuitive interaction or the history of chair design, like, and how that influence, I don't know. There's just like, it's, 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 it's hidden things, but our life is surrounded in them. And I never knew how to ask these questions. And here I am just being handed answers that I don't even know were a thing. That's so, I'm so envious of that not necessarily class, but that college experience. Cause like I went to college for economic crime investigation and technology, which is a, a segue to like work for the FBI basically. Um, I didn't have any of that. <laughs> like I didn't have, I just went, I took classes, I learned things and like, I never felt fulfilled. I, there was like a couple, maybe two classes that were like, this I'm learning something and I enjoy this. But other than that, it was like, I didn't have that. There was no one answering questions that I cared about. I learned a lot. And I, so for you to have that college experience is, and that's just one class, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not to use comic sans ever? (laughs) Exactly. Um, That's fascinating. That's amazing that you had this. It was special. It was great. And then got in. Um, so then it was three more years of, of design classes and, um, you know, freshman year was broad, sophomore year, a little bit, uh, more narrowed in on like design foundations. And then junior, senior year, I said, Hey, I want to do industrial design. So you could choose interaction design, graphic design, or industrial. And I always liked working with my hands and I can think spatially. Um, and so did industrial design. And so you're just, you know, hanging in the wood shop, talking about package design and, you know, what type of cardboard is your favorite? Like what, <laughs> whether you like E-flute or C-flute and the best function of each and um, making all sorts of things. It was wonderful. And then I, and then also being able to watch what my classmates were doing in, in visual design and sort of learn from them. And, and cause I love, like, that's, what's fun about design is it's all connected, you know, everything works together and things aren't really created in the silo. Like they have to, be functional. They have to be aesthetic. And that's not just the form. That's the typefaces. That's the photography. That's the presentation, the copywriting the story. Like it all builds the experience collectively. That's the word I was waiting for you. It's the experience. It's the, 
you buy something new, whether it be a pair of goggles, like Smith mm-hmm. put mm-hmm. you buy a two hundred and eighty dollar pair of Mag Four D goggles, which is insane that they cost that much. But whatever, you buy that, and there's packaging, and it's it's a whole experience from the second you buy oh. it and have buyer's remorse immediately because you just spent a lot of money on a goggle that works great, but they're a lot of money. And then you get this packaging and it's well thought out and they just did a rebrand within the last eight years, probably with their, like, it just says Smith, but the amount of time they spent on that font, like this is the font, this is the spacing, this is, and then you get a package and you open it and it flips open. Like that's all, I just think some, some people overlook that and someone like yourself who really digs into it or myself who at least appreciates it, like someone spent possibly years of their life designing picking the cardboard to use yeah. for that package yeah and i think it makes a better experience if i just got those goggles in a bag <laughs> i would i wouldn't love them as much as i right absolutely i i love smith same i'm a huge fan <laughs> i i am as well but they've taken care of me for a long time so i can't i it's biased <laughs> they, they uh, my pro deal expired. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this. I'm sorry. Um, and they literally yesterday I reapplied and they said no. And it was heartbreaking. I'll try again. I'll but get, I, I on get, the TV show, I wore Smith Wildcats. I the saw whole time. them <laughs> and they didn't nothing. No. And all these, I get all these messages of people being like, yo, what are those woodshop glasses? And I'm like, Smith Wildcats with the clear lenses. Are those rated? Great. Are those safety rated? I don't know. There's no <laughs> there's no way they are, but uh message me after I will give you a, a pro deal <laughs> off the record. <laughs> Thank you. I just got I'll, maybe I'll just send them some screenshots and be like, guys. You just gotta get in contact with the right people. Um but that's not for the public to hear. You can't know our <laughs> secrets that we know everything about this. That's amazing. So let's talk about making it. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Adam is a NBC celebrity now. He's a reality show celebrity. He is on NBC's Making It Season 3 with Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. Tell us all about it. Basically, for anyone, I'll just go the quick and then you can tell the details. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a competition making show. They have like, it's no different than like a forged in fire or a baking show. They have like certain parameters and certain things that they can use. And then it's a competition show. People get voted off every every week. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I see from it. Uh, take us through this one experience as much as you can say because season three is still rolling out right correct we're on we're on episode four i think yep there are uh tomorrow is episode five airing so episode four is out and you are still on the show so congratulations Mm -hmm. on that thank you uh but talk about the experience how you got in one and we'll go from there yeah good question um i remember watching the show at the start of the pandemic. So it's like April, 2020. And 
my sister and I are both home in Tahoe and she loves to make things and she's watching this maker show and we both loved it. And there were times, um, well, I digress. We're watching the show. I go, this looks like fun. I would love to be on this show. And my sister looks at me and she goes, yeah, you should, you should be on it. And I go, what, what do you mean? She's like, you should, you should apply. And my sister is not the most affirming of me and my <laughs> skills. <laughs> so when she says something like that, I was like, oh, thanks, Abby. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe. This is what this feels like. <laughs> and um, so I go, okay. And so I Google making it season three casting call. And I find some portal with a bunch of questions, but at the bottom, I find the email and I email whoever's on the other end and say, Hey, what's up? My name's Adam. I'm an industrial designer. Um, before I fill this out, is there still room to apply? She goes, Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, go for it. I say, okay. And so quickly, I think the next weekend made a little application tape, um, sort of just who I am, what I believe, um, what excites me about the show and send it in. And a couple of weeks later, um, get this call back from a casting director. And she's like, Hey, we want you on the show. Can you take five weeks off? Um, we've, we've narrowed it down to this batch of makers and we still have yet to pick our final 10. Um, and so through a series of phone calls and more interviews and, um, you know, lots of zoom calls <laughs> cut to cut to a few months later. And I'm, you know, in that barn with 10 other makers surrounded by cameras and Nick and Amy and we're like, Whoa, this is yeah, it's real. Surreal. <laughs> so how, how real is it? Like, it's real. Like that's, there's no, like other takes. Like, do you have to like no. say things or like, they're just filming. They're it's just filming. And the clock is real. Um, the director, super rad guy. He goes, okay, makers, like take your marks. The game begins in five, four, three, two, one. And he counts us off and there's a big red clock. I don't think they show it on the They show, don't show the clock. Big clock. Like, with red letters and it just starts counting down. And so they don't, they don't stop it. You just got to make. And, um, I remember like first episode, we're all so nervous because we're like, like, I don't know where any of these tools are. I don't know my way around. I don't know nothing about this place here. And each craft gets, you know, you familiarize yourself, you get acclimated and it just got so fun um it's just being surrounded by these very clever minds and all these fun tools um almost like too many tools they were always putting too many tools <laughs> they want to they distract like, you with like other things like oh I'll use this and this and this instead of just like using a pair of scissors <laughs> yeah no so we all have these workstations and me i'm like you know I have a pen, I have a notebook, I need a sharp blade. Um, 
and like some shot gourd and a lighter. Like I'm very MacGyvery and I do not have that many more tools unless it's like in the wood shop. And the set de- decorators, set deck, they would fill my workstation with all these like rollers and markers and crayons and just these tools I would never, ever, ever, ever use. <laughs> <laughs> they would just get in the way because they would fall off. And I like a very tidy workstation. And so at the start of every craft, I would just like dump everything into a bucket and hide it. Like, uh, I wish they would show I would... that. I binge watched. <laughs> I watched all four episodes last night. I wish they would show that. Um, just oh, you they, were like. It, a lot. It's so much is cut for time. Oh, like it's it's I mean, kind of disenchanting watching like my favorite moments never make it. Well, the people air. filming, to be fair, the people filming aren't editing, so they don't, True. and they're like breezing through and trying to tell a story and hi, and tell their narrative. True, True. Um, absolutely. So it's, I mean, you know, editing footage is, especially not your own footage, is like impossible in general. So, but yeah. so how, what is a day of filming? You film the whole series in five weeks, correct? Eight episodes, correct. 10 episodes? Uh, eight. Eight episodes, five weeks. Where is it? Uh, I mean, just like a, state, like, is it in, in LA? Okay. It's in LA. It's probably like in a studio and they just make it look, but whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> they just make you look like you're in the middle of nowhere. All right. So you, you, they fly you to LA, put you up in hotels. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You film. And again, if you can't say anything, it's still coming out. Just say no, you can't say it, you know, but cool. we're getting to like that territory. <laughs> um, what is the day 6 a.m call time six to six are you filming multiple episodes in a day or it's like you have eight hours to build this that's your eight hours and then you get days off yeah so we would wake up um usually at like five or five thirty and then head over um to hair and makeup and they would like brush my hair (laughs) and I never got makeup, but sometimes they would try to cut my mustache and it would really upset me. And I'm like, no, no, this is my look. This is my look. Like I grew this mustache for Nick Offerman (laughs) in his first book. He has a whole chapter called the the mustache makes the magic. And so I'm like all summer I'm growing this mustache. Please don't cut it. And it, uh, they still got it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> How much time then, did you have before you knew you were going on the show? Uh, a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah, not long. Um, cause it cause the show had gotten delayed because of COVID, and so they were kind of in limbo all year trying to figure out when they could film, and so we had to quarantine in the hotel. All of Smakers. Um, we weren't allowed to really see any of our friends or interact with anybody outside the show just because of the risk of getting sick For and sure. then, like none of us wanted <laughs> none of us wanted to lose our spot and so we were very uh precautious also like you give nick or amy covid <laughs> oh oh yeah like, also fun like, they, they 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 really didn't want us to hug anybody or like be too close on the set you guys hug like all the time that stressed me out how much you guys hug but if you watch me i'm i'm like 
the anti-hugger. You're late to the party on all of them. There's like a group hug and you like right. come in real late and you're like, hey. because I go I, like, I'm going to hug him. Don't kick me off the show. Like <laughs> everybody else is doing it. I love that if you he, said that. Cause I noticed it. Yes. <laughs> and you notice like episode one, I get that patch and I sort of, I do this like staggered robot walk where I'm like, can I approach you? Do I do like slide it to me across the floor? Like, <laughs> But that's all one take, right? Like that's how they don't redo that. Like if they, no, uh, -uh. they just keep going because there's so many shots they need that. um, But everybody hugged Amy Poehler except for me. Like it it was funny there. I go, I'm, is that your number one regret? Not hugging Amy Poehler? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But no, no, no regrets. No, but (laughs) um, how are they on set? wonderful it's fun being so um like i don't i don't know entertainers i don't hang out with comedians or actors or actresses and so to spend five weeks with somebody whose profession is entertainment and improv you're just like i was blown away by how witty and clever and quick and everything was material for them to work off it was so impressive and they were so kind. It was wonderful. Yeah. They seem like humans. I know yeah. that seems weird, but some actors, actresses seem like robots and yeah. they just seem, especially on the show, like the show's almost too corny because they're just like firing puns off the cuff nonstop. Like they know yeah. they're being filmed and they're just like, I'm throwing everything and whatever hits the editing floor, like is great. But you can tell they're just like, throwing up baseballs and like hitting home runs. Like they're just like all or nothing really to go full circle. Like we're going to pun the shit out of this show. We're going to say everything that comes to our head all the time and be super witty. Yeah. Spot on. What was the hardest challenge so far at C or at episode four? We're on episode four. Um, or what's the hardest part of the show in general? Just the time. I think, I mean, I can answer your first question. It, you, you're given these challenges and it's, it's like, Hey, design a mantelpiece. And I'm sitting there thinking, what, what? I don't decorate. How, like, I don't, I really don't like decorations. I think they're <laughs> superfluous and they take up your garage space and they get thrown away and it's kind of just like a waste of like, there's so much waste in holidays and Halloween and Chris, like it's so some, some of these challenges I'll kind of grimace and be like, what, hold on. That's so, that's not what I would, I would never do this. I would never do this. Meanwhile, they cut to the next, to the other maker and they're like, I fucking love Halloween. And you're like, they didn't show you much in that episode at all. Uh, I am. <laughs> And I mean, my story was like, hey, I love winter solstice, you know, short days, the transition, ephemerality, longer days, especially just out skiing all day, the coziness of it. And I tried really hard to just use materials you could find in the garage. Like it's all plywood and shock cord. And you could also flat pack it. So there's so many things behind the designs I'm working on that are the longevity of it of saying, yeah, this, this whole, you know, fireplace piece 
this globe, the dodecahedron, you just like pull this string and the whole thing collapses and you can slide it under the stairs. Do they film all that? And it just doesn't uh, make the cut. Yeah. Or... Yeah. The, yeah. Just... There's a lot of conversation. Um, and that's, that's, I, I mean, going back to the start, I was in at war with myself going, do I want to be on reality TV? Not really. Like that's never been <laughs> right. That's never been a goal. Um, I'm, I like just kind of tinkering and connecting with people. But I remember that feeling that I had when I discovered design and I want, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of us. I think there's a lot of us who love to make, but we're not an artist and we're not an engineer. And we love the functionality of aesthetics and products, but we don't know what that is. And it's industrial design or some form of it. And watching seasons one and season two, I was sitting there going, man, I, I, there needs to be design on this because people would feel understood or heard if there's somebody on there saying, Hey, like creativity is resourcefulness. Creativity is problem solving. Creativity is working with your hands and accomplishing a task as opposed to, yeah, creativity is, you know, painting and working with clay, which, which it totally is. You're really hating on painters and, and clay makers right now. (laughs) It's just, it's (sighs) no, I know what you're saying. And it's, it's an art, everything. I mean, you can go to construction workers building a deck. Like that is art. Like they are creating something beautiful that is going to be attached to your designed house. Like it's, and it's, totally. it's cool to to watch you showcase it. And it's funny because you can tell the episodes so far. Like I said, I'm, I, I'm only, I'm four in. That's where we got. But like I could tell just by how little they showed you, how little you were into the mantle. Um, And not in a bad way, but like some people live for Halloween. Like some people live for Christmas and like. The one girl grew up in a household, a Jewish household and like a Christian household, I think. And she did like Christmas Hanukkah or something. And it's like, it's cool because she can, she got to tell her story on like, so it's neat. The show's neat. And I, I would never find myself watching the show had I not reached out to you or followed you on Instagram. So it's cool because I'm really enjoying it. And I am not a maker by any means, but I build a lot of vans and I'm actually sitting in my van right now, vans and vehicles. And I try to always make them functional. That's always like my, yeah, you know, and people always, there's a ton of Instagram vans out there and they're like, Oh, well this moves. And I'm like, that doesn't work. Like you're going to drive this thing down the road and it doesn't work. So it's cool to watch and just see how not only you, but everyone on the show just views things and views different projects like i think the the vhs monster you made you made a mo- the the goal of the challenge was optical illusion right i think yeah something like that and like, well, it was it was making costume with an optical illusion right but you made a vhs monster which is like one like seven-year-old me like watching like it stephen king's it or something which oh, is yeah. two 
VHS tapes for anyone who doesn't know what a VHS tape is, but you had to like watch part one and then put the other part two in. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But everyone made these like crazy elaborate costumes and yours was very elaborate, but it was very like simple in the sense of like the optical illusion is that the eyes follow you. And I was nervous for you. Cause I was like, I like this, but like, that might be a miss to the judges because the other people went so in a, in a different direction, whether that be a good or bad direction. Like it was just interesting to watch and see. And I just love that. Like there was all these things that you thought would, that I would assume people would make. And then there was like you standing there and like, did you ever see Yo Gabba Gabba? That's what it reminded me of. Like a, like a Yo Gabba Gabba esque costume. Like with all these other people in like roller coaster suits and mermaid costumes. (laughs) Adam, you're spot on. A couple years ago, well, with two things with Stephen King and Yo Gabba Gabba, uh, I was doing freelance and I was feeling so creatively drained when you basically just make stuff for everybody else. And you're like, wait, what do I believe in? Am I, do I still have brains? And um, I met this guy in Marfa and he was in this giant, like fuzzy costume and he worked on yoga Gabba And I was so inspired by this creature costume he made. Um, but I was like, man, I want to make something like that. And so I made this uh, suit out of old balloons. Like I sewed 3000 balloons and made this, it looks, I mean, it looks like the VHS thing, but it's all balloons and it's a hundred percent inspired by like the artist. Um, Nick Cave, who makes sound suits, it's inspired by Yo Gabba Gabba. And so when when the challenge was, hey, make a costume, <clears throat> it's like, ooh, I love making things out of trash, out of stuff in the garage, stuff that's just going to end up in a landfill because it's just because it's not just because you don't have a you know a VHS player anymore, you don't need it. Doesn't mean the VHS tape is useless. And so I really wanted. Uh, Twilight Zone tapes. <laughs> I was like, because I love Twilight Zone and the eeriness and the unknown of it. And so for you to say Stephen King, it's like, oh yeah, it's spot on. It's that kind of mysterious, but still playful, like the eyes, right? The eyes make it feel approachable. Um, but man, it was so fun to make. And I loved, like it made noise and it was a sound suit and I could run in it. I could move around. Um, yeah, when they like clip to all of you guys, like everyone was like standing and you were like doing like breakdance moves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Function. And um, but yeah, I remember looking around the room and I was so jazzed at what I made. But I, I looked around the room and I go, oh my gosh, I totally uh thought very different. Um I felt that makers. for you watching it. Like Oh shit. Like, did he miss I, this one? Like you nailed the costume, but like, do you, did you struggle with that? Like building what the judges want to see versus oh, yeah. what you want to build that you asked what the hardest part was earlier. And I think you nailed it with that. It's, it's this battle between what you want to make and what the judges want to see. And how can you find the middle ground or find the overlap to where your craft and your point of view um, shines 
and it also checks the judges boxes. And I think on the costume challenge, I definitely like they were expecting, you know, Hey, turn an optical illusion into a costume. And I was like, make a costume with an optical illusion. Right. That, and it just didn't cut it, but I still, it was one of those things where I'm like, I am in left field right now, but I love it because I would wear this all the time. Yeah. It's still, it's still notched all the boxes, but like, you know, it's, it's an elimination challenge. So you have to like, sadly hope that someone missed the mark more than you did or vice, you know, like it, it's, uh, you know, it sucks, but it's a competition and that's, you don't want to wish anyone any bad, but you're like, Oh, like when you look around a room and you can see what everyone's building, right? Like the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. How much, uh, that's a question I I cannot answer. Okay. We got there. That's what I wanted to hear. I finally asked one I can't answer. Oh, but anywho, there were, there were ta- like a lot of my crafts were objects very dear to me because that's, you create the materials you use are just as important, you know, to say, Hey, I made this for you out of the driftwood that I got by my house. It's from Tahoe and it's been, you know, floating in the water for years, months, who knows how long churned, polished, smoothed by the sand in the water. And then I added to it. Like that's so much more interesting to me than like, Oh, I got this block of wood at Michael's at Hobby Lobby, which brings me to my next little segue. You have a, a tab on your, website just called garbage design and i was like this can go many of ways like before i clicked it like are these just like garbage designs like failed designs but it's literally you took garbage and you created things out of them uh one being the balloon suit that we talked about a little bit before what's the inspiration behind that i think you just told me what the inspiration behind that is is just repurposing like making something when I took some photo classes, one of the things that like they, like one of our assignments was take something really ugly and make it beautiful. And I think that's what you do in the design and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what the garbage design is. And just, especially with our planet, our world right now, we're so wasteful. We're so, everything's a consumable and just throw it out. Um, so it's fun. It's, I mean, I guess that's not a question because I think I just answered it for you and maybe I didn't, but it's fun to just see like people leading the way and you know, you're being showcased on a major network right now. And I think they're kind of telling that story a little bit like you're, I think Nick might say something or maybe Amy, one of them says something about like, I don't know, Adam just takes a bunch of trash and like keeps repurposing it. And other people are like, you know, so it's neat to see. And it's really fun to, that you're consciously making those efforts. Thank you, first off, for picking that up on the show. Um, That was very important to just show the resourcefulness of the materials you use. And oftentimes we have everything we need to make something, right? You don't necessarily need a trip to the store to feel creative. And I think it might inspire like kids watching at home 
thinking like I'm not maybe I'm not an adult and I can't go to Michael's or Hobby Lobby to get all this stuff. Meanwhile, I have like seven broken rackets and yeah. some rubber bands or packaging, whatever. So I think it's I think it's doing more than, you know, even though it's a conscious effort. I think people are seeing it and hopefully people are doing it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Use use what you have. It's it's the MacGyver the MacGyver in me of just you've got everything you need. Kids don't know what MacGyver is anymore. What? <laughs> Dude, MacGyver's been gone for there was a new one, but I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying you might need to get like a maybe I don't even know anymore. I don't know what the new modern MacGyver would be. I don't know. You. It's you. It's yeah. Adam Kingman. You are the, some <laughs> you are the modern uh MacGyver. Millennial MacGyver. Yes. What is uh wrapping up a little bit? What's next for you? Do you have any projects that you can talk about that you're really excited about? Good question. <laughs> Good question. I am honestly how do I answer this? Cut that murmuring out. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I would do on TV. They would like, I would just murmur and stutter and then be like, okay. All right. Ready? Re reset. Go. I'm not cutting this out. I will cut the <laughs> other thing out that we won't say again, but we're leaving this murmuring in because this is good okay. storytelling. Okay. Um, <clears throat> one of the unexpected parts of being on this show is the characters that are reaching out to me. A lot of baseball people, which I didn't expect. Lots of like distant family, which I also didn't expect. Um, I was at Costco last weekend up here in Seattle. And this, I'm like walking around carrying candy. And this guy's like, excuse me. I thought he was going to be like, where'd you get that candy? <laughs> you know, over there. Uh, he goes, excuse me. I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, and his wife is standing behind him and he has two kids in the shopping cart. They're like, are you on making it? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I am. That, that was like the first time anybody's noticed. And it's not, it's not about me. Like it wasn't that I got noticed, but it was what it became um, a catalyst for because we just start talking about projects and what he's up to. And he's, you know, I'm like, what do you, what do you do for fun? What do you like to make? And, and he's making custom baseball cards. That's his hobby. And I was like, Whoa, super cool. And he's showing me photos on his phone. And I go, how cool is that? That I can, that just people out there suddenly we can, you know, skip ahead and just cut straight to what are you making and what am I making? And I just, I love to connect people over that. Um, so that's been fun, but projects, things ahead. Um, I really enjoyed being able to tell stories on NBC. And I realized the way it's cut, my stories are very, very short. But I think the habit 
and practice of shooting every day and talking about the inspiration behind ideas and the methodology and the approach and, you know, the lifespan of what I'm making. I loved it. And um, near the end of the show, Amy's like, Adam, you're, you're, you're a really good storyteller and you are, you love to teach. And she goes, every time we come to your desk, you, you stop and you teach us whatever you're doing. And we've learned to crochet and string brackets and make dumplings like, and all of that's cut out from the show, but we'll like, you know, have a little sessions together. And so for this, for Amy to say, Hey, you're, you're, you're good at this. I hadn't really heard that before. And I go, okay, maybe what, what does that look like? You know, I think we're always in this state of, we know what we like, but we don't necessarily know what to do with it or apply it. And the question on my mind is like, okay, can I, or how might I continue to connect with people while telling stories, while sharing or teaching? And I started making YouTube videos of just drawing, like how to draw, drawing basics. Um, just to kind of get my feet wet back into video making and the response has been great and they're so fun to make, but I would love to do almost, I guess I'm calling them field trips where from this show and just in like normal life, like a lot of, a lot of my friends are very creative and I think it would be so fun to just make a YouTube series of field trips. So where it's this Bill Nye, MacGyver, Adam Kingman, <laughs> going to cities and saying, observing what they're crafting and saying, okay, what if we made this? And then talk about the design process and sketch ideation, problem solve, materiality, and then testing, refining, and build <clears throat> an object merging the design approach with the craftsman or craftswoman, you know, guest, and just have these little field trip videos where you learn you like learn the why you learn the backstory, but you also learn the process and the craft. I think that would be so fun. Um, but right now it's just a bunch of notebook, notebook notes and adult camps, thumbnails. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I don't, why not? Right. Like I think share like art is best shared or anything is best shared. So I think you wanting and willing to like it, one, you've been on a TV show, so you're exposed, but like share what you're doing and why you love it and inspiring other people to do it is like, we only have a, we don't have that much time on this earth. Like, so if we can share something and maybe like pass on, even just meeting that person at the grocery store and like to that, to you, you just met somebody who like watched you, but to them, they met like a celebrity, like someone that they're, that inspires them. So it's, it's cool that one, you're, humble and two you're willing to like share and want to actively share more of that if that makes sense it makes sense thank you it's i don't know <laughs> it's i mean i feel like a lot's gonna change for you in the next like i don't know your life prior but like you're on NBC. like people are gonna reach out people are gonna so it's gonna be I'm interested to see what will happen in the next year for you. And I'm excited to watch it and watch you grow. And 
I guess I got to watch the rest of the season now, which I didn't think I'd ever be watching, but it's really fun to watch and it's been really neat and creative. And thank you for taking the time to chat about it. Uh, I do have one more question and it's just a personal question for me. What is the best resort in Tahoe? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I grew up skiing heavenly. Like I've had a heavenly pass since I was two. So that's like, that's my backyard. That's what I know. And I will always choose heavenly. Okay. Um, that's an answer that counts. But I, I love like on a good powder day, Alpine meadows. I'm a Homewood guy. I've never skied home. Oh my God. You can get a good power day like seven days later. Okay. I'll go to Homewood this No year. one goes. It's like, the, I mean, like the terrain isn't as like gnarly, but it's, it's perfectly placed tree skiing and no one skis the trees because it's all families. Um, I talking about, Okay, now I'm now I'm like turning into producer mode. And there's people who listen to this. They're this is like an outdoor industry podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that's 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 like the gap. That's the gap we didn't cover. We did though. You grew up in Tahoe and like and I don't care. I just like, sh- I mean, I shouldn't say I don't care, but I like sh- <laughs> the point of this show in general is to just showcase people that I enjoy and be less jabber does a lot of pro talk. The other host, yeah, um, he talks to just heavy hitters in the industry. And my, uh-huh. my goal was to bridge that gap between like designers and photographers and makers who all share the same connection of like skiing. Like you're not just like, or outdoors in general. Like you're not, you're not just the pro skier guy. Like, and I'll bash Cody Townsend cause he's a superstar, but like, <laughs> but like, oh yeah, I grew up in Tahoe and I skied Tahoe and I rip Tahoe and I, you know, like, okay, we get it. And like that story's amazing. And he's a superstar and he's a super normal dude. And I love his 50 project, but like, that story to me gets old and that's no offense to any of those athletes because they're superstars and I am nothing but praise for them. But my, and I still do some pro talk, but my concept of this show is to, and this is good for me. I'm glad you like said that is to showcase like the people behind some of the brands and the designers who are doing things and the makers who are, and you know, we talked about different cardboards and talked about like opening a goggle box. Like people like you spend a lot of time creating those things. So that is the gap to me. And just showcasing like, you know, a photographer, every catalog that you look at, every magazine that you look at, every Instagram post, someone took a picture of that product. So that's that's where I bridge the gap, I guess. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And I, I get it. I understand. <laughs> it make, you're like, why am I on this show? <laughs> I, I just, I mean, no, I think I, that's, what's always 
when I applied to be on making it, I was like, they're not going to pick me. I'm not this like, you know, stereotype. I'm not a woodworker or I'm not a welder or I'm not a quilt maker. Like they need stereotypes. I feel, I feel that's just what, it, that's just how I interpret watching previous seasons. Like everybody has a thing. And I think that's where me, that's always been the, the, it's like a double-edged sword, right? Like I apply for a job and so many people are like, I don't get, I don't get what you want. <laughs> They're like, why are you showing me your photographs? We're not hiring you to be a photographer. You're like, like well, you're I not going to this as well. Huh? You're like, I, I also have this and I can do this, but I think <clears throat> like this and I can build that. Just saying, Hey, like I'm, I like, I'm curious about all areas of, crafting and making and i'd like to wear a bunch of hats and they're like great well we're not looking for a guy who wears a bunch of hats we need this and so i'm like okay and so it's it's been hard right, right. navigating career and opportunity and same thing with this show i was like i can't give you a one pager or like a you know an intro statement adam's uh, quilter from tahoe <laughs> i was like i just like to i'm just the vague maker um it's that and now applying back to this this podcast where you're like you're wondering why you're on this show i'm always like yeah what is what <laughs> who am i who am i to you and what you what you answered um the gap i liked what you said you're bridging the gap um the things unseen so it's it's appreciated and i'm grateful to be here yeah and i'm thank you for taking the time to to chat about it because it's it's interesting. It's it, from everything from your design point to like being on a reality TV show like that. We don't usually get that, that inside scoop. Like I have designers, I have photographers, but now you're like, you're this reality star, you know, whatever you want to call it. You're on a reality television show. So it's, <laughs> it's what, you know, however you want to look at it like that's, so it's cool. So thank you for taking the time. Uh, your Instagram is at Adam Kingman, correct? Yep, uh, correct. Website is adamkingman.com. Yep. Anywhere else people should follow you. What's your YouTube now? Yeah, uh, youtube.com forward slash Adam Kingman. Everything's just Adam Kingman. So just Google Adam Kingman. Uh, watch Making It on NBC season three. The first four are out. See, episode five comes out tomorrow i think yeah Today. on on hulu i think you can watch it on hulu and it's also free on nbc.com there you go i watched it on peacock so you can watch it on peacock you there can you watch go. it on hulu peacock. you can watch it free on nbc.com thanks <laughs> i mean simple as that thank you so much for taking the time i appreciate it adam thank you yeah, this, this has was, been wonderful this was awesome that was episode 22 of The Pursuit on the Autobahns Network. Please like, share, subscribe. Follow Adam Kingman on Instagram, which I will leave in the notes because I don't know what his Instagram handle is right off the top of my head. Follow at Mr. Adam X. Follow at Out of Podcast. Tell us what we can do better. Tell us what we're doing wrong. I love feedback. It helps me. It helps you. Thank you for listening. Hope everyone has a rad weekend. Peace.